listening to HR After Hours. Well, reward me with snacks and call me Scooby Hannah Hampton. <laughs> How the heck are you today? I am great. I just, your openings always crack me up. I'm doing great. How are you? I am Farmer Mick outstanding in his field today. Ah, Farmer Mick. Rah, rah, rah. I'm ready to go. And uh, I'm excited to be here with you today. Let's, let's just jump in because I'm going to be honest uh, when you mentioned what you wanted to discuss today, and it was just a few minutes ago, at <laughs> first I was like, well, is there much here? And then yeah. I really, I had to think about it because once again, I live in my white boy world mm-hmm. and I really was thinking about this. And then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I do have an example. Here we go. So Hannah, let's just jump right in and tell me a yeah. little bit about this article you found. Can I open with it? Give me your thoughts. Okay. Well, it's actually, it's from the Wall Street Journal, and it's not super new. It was from a couple months back or a few months back. So it's not the newest, but I I just found it this morning, and I found it really interesting because it's something that I have experience with. And the article is about, it just says, don't ask me to do office housework, and it's by Rachel uh, Feinzeg. I don't know how to say her name. But basically, it's about how women, you know, women asking or reminding women to push back against the quote unquote unwritten set of responsibilities and expectations that um, can weigh you down in the office. So it can be asking uh, women to do what they call office housework. So like booking meeting rooms, doing the birthday cards, uh, types of taking notes during meetings, other types of work that it just feels like it's you're being asked as a woman. So it was a really interesting article. I recommend, you know, check it out on the Wall Street Journal. But I, you know, it was one of those things where I, I read it and I'm like, yeah, I have been in that situation where I've been asked to take notes or I've been asked to do things that I felt were a little bit more about be, being a woman versus uh, anything else. So I, I, I've been the note taker. Now, here's here's the way I look at it. I am a good note taker and I was told that that's why I was asked, but certainly I have not been in many meetings where a male has been asked to take notes. A lot of time it is, it is a female and it does feel like kind of the old secretary tasks. And I certainly have been asked to, you know, get drinks. I've been asked to, you know, get the door. I even at one point I was hiring a receptionist role and I had somebody tell me that they preferred it was a female, which I was number one offended. And number two, I said, no, I'm going to look at both male and female applicants for this role because that's crazy but uh this article was talking about how women are asked to do less glamorous tasks because um you know it's that pressure to to fill that type of of role of the the, what they put in the article is a chipper worker bee so you know mick tell me a little bit what's your initial reaction to this and what are your thoughts so uh, once again, me admitting, I'm the first one to admit that sometimes I don't think things all the way through and I'll, I'll go with my initial reaction until I'm corrected. My initial reaction when I first read this article, when you shared it with me, uh, just a few minutes ago was, well, I've never really seen that Hannah but everything that you're listing to me, like the getting the meeting spaces and the arranging for coffee to be delivered or meals and notes, that's always been an HR function. And it just so happens that most mm-hmm. of my HR partners have been female. So I initially kind of was like, nah, I think it's a stretch. But then I started, I'm like, well, wait a minute, Mick, stop and think. And then I, I was able to, within 
60 seconds of actually, you know, wiping the eye boogers out of my eyes and really thinking about it, I was like, oh, I can think of an example of a uh, vice president of the company being in a room where there were easily eight to 10 people underranking her where she was asked to do those things. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. And so, yes, I started thinking about it more and more. And there's a couple that I think are based on a very outdated. I don't even want to say I don't think it's really um, sexist stereotypes uh, because Mm -hmm. I think there at one point was some fact on a couple of these. Like the first one being that women – and this is a very outdated thing because I can think of very ex- several, several examples where this isn't true. But mm-hmm. there used to be just the general consensus that women had better handwriting. Hmm. My so handwriting that, is terrible, by the way. I was I, and I was going to say, <laughs> but you know what's funny about that, Hannah, is almost every friend of mine that's a woman that we've talked about handwriting who says I have decent handwriting for for a guy. And they usually say that, oh, you have pretty good handwriting for a guy. Plus, I'm left-handed, so I've got you know two strikes against me there. But they're always like, oh, look, my handwriting's so much worse than yours, and it's always been better. So I'm kind of like, oh, you're not helping this stereotype at all. But then I really thought about it, and I have seen – I don't think gender has anything to do with handwriting. I think back mm-hmm. in the day, women were expected to have loopier, fond handwriting back in the 70s or whatever. But I don't think that's the case at all. Well, that's that's interesting because I, I've worked – with a number of men who have had great penmanship and, you know, I don't comment like, Hey, you have great penmanship for a man. I just have great penmanship. So I, you know, I, I do feel like it's just playing on old stereotypes. Um, that aren't necessarily accurate. Yeah. No, and right. no, I, I agree. I agree. And like my, my handwriting is terrible and it always has been. I never won penmanship awards in elementary school. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, I just, I write, I write very fast because I'm trying to remember everything that I'm trying to write down. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's one of those things where, uh, it's just an old untrue stereotype that people deal with. But even though I've been in meetings where you're taking notes on a computer or you're taking notes on a whiteboard, you know, like on the computer, penmanship does not matter whatsoever. So it's, it's one of those things where you can't, you can't even use penmanship as an excuse for that one. It, it's just one of those things. And, I, you know, the article does bring up something that I thought was really interesting. And it's about just always, you know, you want to be the you want to be a woman who, you know, and again, I feel like it's kind of a stereotype, but you want to be somebody who feels somewhat, I don't want to say agreeable, but you want to be seen as that team player and not and willing to do whatever it takes. But, you know, many times women end up volunteering for things that some men would never even think about volunteering for or not, you know, not even think one way or another. I'm not being a team player by not saying, hey, I'll take notes or I'll go get the coffee. So it's one of those things where women have to deal with that mindset of I don't want to be seen as not agreeable. And you have like, you know, the don't want to be seen as a bitch type of a thing. And, and like we could, we could have a whole topic all about that and dealing with those types of issues. Whereas like a man will never be seen as a bitch for doing some of the things that women do. So just trying to work, uh, work through those types of, of situations. No, you're, you're spot on here though, because they, they are, they're old outdated stereotypes and it does create just, you know, when people like myself are ignorant to the fact that there's still a lot of struggle Mm-hmm. Being a female executive and professional, like you just said, like, well, I don't want to seem like a team player. Well, if there's 10 people in the room 
that mm-hmm. are below you. And I'm and I do tend to have when I lead meetings, I really don't care what your position is, but yeah. you know, I'm going to make sure there is someone in there that's going to be the person that takes notes and it's going to be typically by rank um or someone that I just trust to get me accurate notes. But I do think you're there are things that you're right that we don't think about that you have to battle uh, almost on a daily basis. And being, you know, if you were to say, if I were to say, hey, Hannah, okay, will you be, will you take some notes for us to go over later? I, I think it would be completely appropriate for you to say, you know what, I, I'm terrible at notes. Let's have Bill do it. He's been consistently on point and I've mm-hmm. referenced his work. And, but then someone in that room is probably going to think, oh, well, we're sorry, Ms. Hampton. Are you just too cool for notes? So it's it's a it's a it's a balancing act. It's tricky. Mm-hmm. It's something that we're not reminded of it. That a lot of us don't even notice it when it takes place. But you're right. It is something that I think sometimes I think one of the things that I believe women are subjected to more frequently than men, uh, or at least in a different way, is when you're promoted and you mm-hmm. work your way up. I think if it was in more of a support role that you started with the company, it's harder for you to shake that off than it is for a male that's well, promoted. I have to say though, and this this isn't something that I experienced personally. It's just kind of brought it, that when you said that, it, it kind of popped into my head. So I there was a role where I was an HR manager and I had a HR coordinator, and then also the office coordinator reported up for me, and the office coordinator ran the front desk. And uh, there was a day the office coordinator was out of the office. And when, when they'd go on vacation, this is a smaller company, my team, we would take turns covering the front desk because this person reported to me as my team, it's my responsibility. So one day, and you know, again, I was the HR manager, I'm covering the front desk and an employee came up to me and said, how does it feel being back in your, you know, in your old home, in your own role, your mm. old role? And I was like, excuse me? I'm like, I... And they're like, yeah, you're being a receptionist. And I'm like, I was never a receptionist. I'm like, that is a really crazy, I don't want to say crazy, but that was a really interesting assumption. And I think receptionist roles are super important. They can be super, they are super difficult. There's a lot. I'm not saying that this role is not important and beneath me, but I thought it was a very interesting assumption that as a female, they assume that I got my start by being a receptionist. And I said, oh, I said, that's kind of a funny thing to say. I'm like, I never did this role. However... I enjoy doing it. I think it's an important role and I enjoy when I get to cover for my teammate and I appreciate the hard work they put into it. But the, the, I think, and I felt like it was an assumption because I was a female, because I can't imagine that this person would say it to a male again. That's completely, um, you know, that's just an anecdotal response because I don't know if they would have said it to a male, but they assumed that I had gotten my start in that type of a role and not where I started my career. So something that happened to me personally. (laughs) Yeah. And I think typically there's all kinds of ways to solve this issue. Typically there's usually someone that these types of tasks are actually in their job description. Mm -hmm. That's the first item is make sure that, you know, we have these types of tasks assigned to the appropriate person. Uh, I think there are also things where if there's not someone that it's assigned to, you should rotate these responsibilities. And obviously you do want to play to strengths. There are some things that uh, others are, are better at by as the individual sure. has nothing to do with sex at all. We have to be careful that 
like you said, people don't still walk in and just make blind assumptions, like assuming mm-hmm. that you were ever in an administrative role. You know, that person hopefully felt like a moron. What's worse is when people don't. I think did. Yeah. And that's good, though. You know, maybe they, and then they won't do it again. Lesson learned. You don't need to beat them up over it. But no, if you find out tw- that that person makes those kind of comments later mm-hmm. and has a, a pattern of uh, sexist behavior, whether it's based on ignorance or um, it's something that needs to be dealt with. You're right, though. We have to make sure that and there's always ways to take the lead on things like I've always the guy that because I drink coffee, I always make sure the coffee station's clean and restocked. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go and tell the receptionist, hey, we're out of Splenda, especially if it's on a ca- if it's in a counter right, right above the coffee station. You know, I think we should really kind of keep an eye on the type of people that are team players in that aspect as well, because I think it says something about them and their mm-hmm. willingness to do whatever it takes. And those that uh, are dismissive of those type of functions because they think it's quote unquote beneath them. That that's the type of person that I assume, and I hate the word assume, mm-hmm. but I'm going to look for as someone that maybe doesn't treat their team the best and their subordinates and things right. like that. And I don't even like the word subordinates anymore. I, I, mean, I know it's. You know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get that. You know, it's it's funny. This kind of you know, and I, I do want to talk about. Um, author of the article, Rachel Feinzeg, and I feel bad if I'm saying her name wrong, but she does talk about how to be a better man at work. And I want to get to that, but this really made me think about, I'm a big fan of the Twilight Zone, the original series. Uh, and, and as we are, you know, somewhat in the new year, one of the things that happens uh, on New Year's is there's a Twilight Zone marathon. And it's so funny and interesting to watch. The show is ahead of its time, but so there are some scenes where they take place in boardrooms and it's all it's all men. And the, the women, you know, the women are at the typewriters, they're in the receptionist role, and it's all men in the in the boardrooms. And it's funny, I'm, I'm very aware and kind of giggle to myself about like, that's how it used to be. You wouldn't see a female in the boardroom. But then there's an episode and it's called To Serve Man. And it's one of my favorites. And ever, it's it's a very famous episode, but one of the things I love about it, not only is it a great story, but there is a female, uh, like, I think she was like a linguist or she's a code breaker. And basically she cracked the code on this alien book. And I love the fact that they had the female crack the code. And I feel like that's a testament to Rod Serling and, and the fact that he was, a, he was ahead of his time. And while, you know, there were some episodes where, you know, you didn't see the women in the boardrooms, I thought it was super cool that he had a female character be the code breaker and the one to discover uh, why the aliens were actually there. So good on you, Rod Serling, RIP. <laughs> but I think it was just a sign of the sign of the times and sign of, of what he was aware of. So, A, I, I, I agree. I love Twilight Zone, and I used to watch it all the time at Naked Night, and you're the one that actually turned me on to the fact that they had the, the New Year's marathon, and I yes. watched uh, quite a bit of that myself. Nice. And I've actually been going back, and Hulu also has uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents. Oh, I so, love that. Yeah, I've been going back and watching those. But you're right. I mean, we think of, remember, I mean, there, there was the age of the steno pool. That's when you would just go grab someone from the steno pool to take notes at your meeting. And yep. so I'm all about the solution versus, you know, mucking around in the problem. So, uh, Hannah, let's go to the next step and tell me yeah. some of these, uh, solutions. How do we get rid of uh, this ignorant stigma? Yes. So, uh, you know, here again, this came from the article in the Wall Street Journal, but um, 
the, the, the article saying you know gender bias still weigh, weighs down women at work. Rachel, the the author Rachel Feinzeg was asking how can an individual man help. So she talked to Keith Ferrazzi, who coaches executive teams. And one of the things he you know he said you know check your sense of humor. Also, as a man, volunteer for less uh, volunteer for less desirable office tab tasks, and then sponsor women trying to climb the corporate ladder. So here are his four tips for being a male ally. Number one, don't be numb. So people can become blind to what's been going on for years and years and call it the norm. So just be aware um, to, you know, remind yourself to look for those types of bias. And, uh, you know, I like this. He said, then channel your inner anthropologist, tally the number of times women are interrupted compared with men, and then notice how the boss responds to everyone's ideas. So not saying that this happens everywhere, but just being more aware of those things. Number two, See something, say something. I feel like that's something that we see everywhere. We see it on the train. We see it everywhere. And so when you notice unequal treatment, make sure you speak up and and making sure that everyone's voices are being heard or, you know, if somebody's being, if a woman's being asked to pour the coffee, maybe volunteer yourself to do it. You know, just making sure that you're aware of these things. Number three, listen. Ask a woman you're close to at work candid questions about her experience and listen to the answers. Um, And just, I'd say even ask those tough questions. Where do you feel those bias? Uh, And that's, you know, that's where Farazi says is a good starting point. Where do you feel your bias in the workplace? And then Farazi also says, practice empathy, just be able to hear it. And then finally, number four, find a female mentor. Doesn't matter if she is above you in the corporate hierarchy, hierarchy or below. It's just somebody that you want to learn from. Mr. Farazi says, in his conversations with female executives, many mention feeling talked over. So seeking out a woman's advice and expertise turns that pattern on his on its head, he says. So I think that these are all great things that people can be aware of uh, when uh, in the workplace on a regular basis. And even as a female, I mean, it, I, I feel like, yes, this is about being a better, better man at work. But even as a female, you can you can watch for these things because I can tell you, like, I don't, I really, I'm not cognizant as to who gets interrupted more. Those aren't things that I'm looking for, but I, now I'm going to be more aware and I'm going to watch for those types of things. Like, hey, it's sometimes, again, you get used to the norm and you don't think about things being uh, kind of out of place. So I feel like those are good tips, even for women. Yeah, I think there is a lot that can be done for the male and female coworkers to better understand the other's experience. Mm -hmm. And I think if you really, as an HR professional, want to uh, take a snapshot where your company is, I think that is a great thing to do. I think you should... uh, Talk to both sexes with asking the same question, see how they see things as Mm -hmm. far as their journey into their current position, their current obstacles, any gender bias they see. Mm -hmm. I I think that's something that I, I think we'll probably focus on that more this year is kind of some easy steps to start processes. Six, seven months ago, as you started reading the solutions, I would say, hold on, why don't we just address the specific issues, make a rotation, do this, and move on. But I do really believe that the way to find a long-term solution is getting to the roots of things. And you don't necessarily have to go back and 
persecute the origin or the mm-hmm. those that are involved in the origin, it, you can just easily say these are things that are outdated. This isn't how we're going to do it. This is part of our culture that we don't uh, have different experiences for our male or female king members and and do it. I don't think it sounds like some of those examples at first my gut reaction was like, whoa, we're doing this whole overhaul, but it shouldn't be, right? I mean, that mm-hmm. should all be kind of, why wouldn't you want to know what your peers experience? Why wouldn't you want other right. people's perception of the company, their management ladder, their growth p- projection, and especially you? It's always good to say, hey, sit down. I mm-hmm. don't know that I uh, am perceived the way that I really intend to be perceived. And ask people specific questions of things that you may have concerns about in your own personal leadership inventory. So I think there's, I think that's some very valid stuff. But six months ago, Hannah, I think you would probably agree with me that I'd probably push back on this and have a few sarcastic responses. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think there's all, uh, those are solutions. And yeah. I think there's more to it, but I think you've got to start somewhere. Like I said, my initial reaction when you sent this over to me was, ah, I've never seen it. I don't know what you're talking about. And you thought about it and you did. Yeah. And I think I'm a fairly enlightened individual um, that for that to still be my knee jerk response tells me that I still uh, have a little more, I don't want to say growing to do because that sounds kind of cheesy, but it really is. I have a little more growing to do, but there's definitely things that I'm just not aware of to this day, which I should be. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a very valid point. Yeah, and I thought, I thought it was a really interesting article. Again, you can find it on the Wall Street Journal, and it's called Don't Ask Me to Do Office Housework. So uh, check it out. It's, it's you know, the article is really interesting and goes into depth on some specific scenarios that people had experienced. And again, those tips that I think were great for, I think, not just men, but it's specifically for men. But I think if everyone follows those tips, um, we can continue to create a better workspace for everyone and a more inclusive uh, type of work environment. Outstanding. And then, Hannah, what I want to do real quick is I'm going to tease and then I'm going to leave you up to close here that our next episode of HR and Pop Culture, Mm. we are going to cover, and I'm giving, I'm telling you this, I'm kind of just blindsiding you. uh, (laughs) And, and, oh, I did forget to say earlier, I cut off Hannah all the time, more than she cuts me (laughs) off. This just, uh, this came to mind. So I'm, I'm putting this out here right now. Okay. Our next episode of HR and pop culture will cover an episode of the family guy. And that episode is called Peter gets sexually harassed. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to cover that. Oh, I'm excited. I, I don't know if I remember that episode, so uh, I can't wait to check it out. Thanks everyone for listening. I just, I want to say, you know, number one, thank you to our listeners. I really appreciate everyone who has subscribed. So please, if you are just a random listener, subscribe. I'd love to have you listen on a regular basis and please reach out to us and either via email or other social media. I really want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us if there's topics you want us to talk about. Send us articles that you want us to discuss. So I just want to, number one, Thank our listeners. Thank you, everyone, for downloading. We want to hear from you. So 2020, take that. Take a couple minutes and reach out to us. Well, oh, my goodness. Look at the time. Hannah Hampton. It looks like we've done it again. But before we close, yes. why don't you tell our listeners how they can contact us? 
Yes. Yeah, so we'd love to hear from you. Give us some feedback or share an article you want to hear us discuss. You can email us at hrafterhoursmail at gmail.com. Mick, where can they find us on social media? We are all over the place, kind of like our conversation. <laughs> we are up and running on Facebook, and our address there is at HR After Hours. And of course, we're on Instagram, all one word, HR After Hours. And then Twitter is at HR underscore hours. So definitely check out our social media presence. We're always looking for new followers. I know that sounds thirsty, but it's very true. <laughs> and then, like Hannah said, shoot us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you like, what you'd like to see us do differently. Definitely any topics or questions you have for us. Yeah. Because we're tired of just hearing how friggin' hot and sexy we are. Give us something <laughs> with a little meat on it. That's what she said. All right. Hannah, take us out of here. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Bye.